0: Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Promise of Faith, episode 17 of the Prayer and Fasting series. Do you have faith enough for a fig tree? The fig tree gives us a picture of the fruit that comes in a season of harvest. Here's Jacqueline. Heavenly Father, Lord, what a gracious and loving God you are. I thank you so much for being so big. I thank you for your hands. Lord, your hands are holding us even right now. It's amazing to me when I think about how I am alone in your hand, held in your heart, captured by your love, just, just me, just me and you. And at the same time, Lord God, you've got all of us collectively as women inseparable held in your hands. Together, united, living life together, praying prayers together, fasting before you together. I thank you for your hands. I thank you for being such a big God, for being so real, so faithful and so loving. I pray right now that you'll be with us as we lay Isaiah 56 before you. In Matthew 21, Lord, there's so much truth, so many words that you're saying through your actions. In this chapter, Lord God, I pray that you'll open up our eyes, help us to see, oh Lord God, that we will see. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and for his glory. Amen. Amen. All right. Isaiah 56. It's a short chapter. There's only 12 verses, but I do want to, um, I'm going to read all 12 verses. So you have your Bible ready. We're going to read some scripture. Isaiah 56, verse one. It says, "Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and who keeps his hand from doing any evil. If any scripture comes to mind as you read scripture, write that scripture reference in your Bible. Those are sweet messages from the Lord. Verse 3, it says, Let not the foreigner, foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me. That's a choice. And hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls, a monument and a name, a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, a name that shall not be cut off. So I give you chills. Verse six, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to the Lord, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices, they will be accepted on my altar. For my house, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those that are already gathered. That's us in his hand. Verse nine. The tone changes a little bit. All you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. But they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain. When and all come, they say. Let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow will be like this day. Great beyond measure. The Pharisees of the day knew scripture, they knew Old Testament. They prided themselves in what they knew of the Old Testament. They knew Isaiah's words, they knew Jeremiah's words. That passage specifically was quoted to the Pharisees specifically in Matthew 21. And you don't think that was intentional, right? Whenever Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, he often says the words, thus it is written, My recommendation for you as a student of scripture, whenever you see this, it is written, look and find where that is in scripture. And I guarantee the Pharisees know that reference and they get pricked in the heart every single time. We as modern day Bible readers, we read and oftentimes check mark our boxes and wonder what did that mean? And then we go on with our day. Are you guilty of that? Stop. Every time you see the Lord say, thus it is written, Jesus Christ is quoting scripture. And put yourself in the shoes of the person that's listening to it. Matthew 21 is spoken to Pharisees. The whole chapter. Pharisees are sitting at his feet, judging him. And Jesus is speaking to them. And he will always speak to them of scripture the scripture he brings out here is isaiah 56 and with the tiny little portion in matthew 21 he gets away from the pharisees and he has a conversation with his disciples and it's that conversation we're going to focus on today it's the only time in matthew 21 that he is not captivating We want to use the word captivating, focusing his attention on the Pharisees through his actions, through his miracles, through his words are not done for the Pharisees. This little section is for his people, his 12 and the words that he says to them, a little confusing for some of us city dwellers, Matthew 21, verse 18, it says in the morning And I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to backtrack in Matthew 21. But verse 18, it says, In the morning, as he, Jesus, was returning to the city, Jesus became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw this, they marveled, and they asked this question. How did the fig tree wither at once? A fig tree was known for its fruit bearing capabilities. It would start its fruit bearing in the spring and a fig tree, I've learned, produces signs of fruit before it grows a leaf. Fascinating fact. And when you look at the parallel passage in Mark 11, there's so much emphasis on the leaf and the presentation of the leaf, the fact that the leaf is there, but there's no fruit. And here at the beginning of this season of the fruit bearing year of the fig tree, it's full of leaves and there's no fruit. Interesting fact about the fig tree. Verse 21, Jesus answered their question. And he says, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and you do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree. But even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. It's all about faith. Mark chapter 11, Jesus says to them, have faith specifically in God. And remember, this conversation has taken place between Jesus and the disciples. The new way, the ones that are learning to step away from the Old Testament, to step away from the sacrifices, to step away from what was, and to fully grasp what will be to learn what is the way, what is the truth, what is the life. These 12 men are learning, and this is one of their life lessons. And they're watching, and they're paying attention. Right before this happens, they were in the temple in Jerusalem with Jesus. And Jesus, this is right before, this is Matthew 21, we're drawing near to the end of the life of Jesus on earth. We're getting close to that week before Passover. So there's a lot of traditions taking place going on. And Jesus is up on the Mount of Olives. And to talk about the Mount of Olives is a beautiful thing to discuss. But with time and, you know, we have a half hour. We don't. I always want two weeks. Let's do a two-week retreat right here. Fireside room. Bring your sleeping bags. <laughs> Let's do this. But we only have 30 minutes, so we can't go through what happened on the Mount of Olives through the Old Testament. But there are monumental moments that took place throughout the Old Testament on top of the Mount of Olives. Jesus is standing there. We see him at the beginning of Matthew 21, standing on the Mount of Olives, overlooking Jerusalem. And oh, And you know he's thinking, remembering... What the prophets said, what the prophets did, what the kings built, what the kings destroyed on this mount. Because like it was pointed out this morning, there is no time with God. And he's up there and he's remembering. He's thinking, this is what my men of God did on this mountain. This is what's going to be happening on this mountain as I pray before my father. This is what I can see from this viewpoint of Jerusalem. And his men are with him, and he's overlooking Jerusalem, and they walk into Jerusalem, they walk into the temple where sacrifices are to be happening, and they really weren't. There was selling. People weren't bringing their sacrifices. They were buying their sacrifices. That's not okay. You have a gift to lay before the Lord? Don't go to Target before going to church. Don't buy that gift. Ask the Lord. Lord, you've promised me a gift from the Spirit. Please show me what that gift is. How do you find that gift, you volunteer? You slip on a pair of shoes and try out VVS and you learn, that's my gift. I love what I did, I wanna do that again. I just laid that freely before my king. Some of us will slip on a pair of shoes and think I will never wear that stiletto again. (laughs) That was not meant for my feet. I fell, I was sloppy, it was clunky, I'm not doing it. Good, you just learned. That's not my place in the kingdom of God, but I'm gonna try again. And it goes back to a lot of what Kristen was telling us a couple weeks ago. Serve, offer your gifts of sacrifice. Here these people were coming into the temple to offer their sacrifice and they were buying it. Which means the religious people of the temple were selling it. Shameful. This is what Jesus was doing. This is what the men were witnessing. And Jesus goes on with righteous anger and we know this story. He overthrows the tables. He overthrows the money changers. He overthrows, takes over, and he proclaims Isaiah 56. My house is to be called the house of prayer. And you turn it into a den of robbers. And the disciples are watching this, fascinated by this. The disciples are there listening to children who were there with their parents and proclaiming who Jesus the Christ was, the children were. And there were blind men proclaiming who Jesus was and were being healed. And there were lame men that were in the temple that were proclaiming who Jesus was and they were healed. And the Pharisees were so angry. The Pharisees, the religious, the show, the tree full of leaves with no fruit. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And the disciples who are learning what the new way is, the new truth is, the new life is, are watching all of this. And they've gone through a couple of life lessons, so they're, you know, note to self, another life lesson, what are we gonna learn? Ask Jesus later, what did you mean? They asked Jesus multiple questions. What did you mean by that parable? And Jesus always patiently explained it to his men. But this is what's happening, the Pharisees are angry, The people that were present, the children, the ill, were proclaiming, and the disciples were watching. And after this, they go out to the fig tree, and it looked just like what they saw in the temple. It was a tree that was created to bear fruit, that was showing signs of a fruit-bearing tree. It was growing its leaves already, but there was no fruit. And Jesus uses that as a testimony, as an example for his men. And he said to the tree, may no fruit ever come from you again. It's a new day. It's a new way. Jesus, according to Isaiah 56, is giving us a new name, a name that is above everything. It's a name that gives us eternity A name, I love that it says greater than even sons and daughters. I can't even wrap my head around what that means. How often do we proclaim the fact that I am a daughter of the king? And we like giggle a little. Like that's my place. That's who I am. And he's like, I'm going to give you a name higher than what you can even comprehend a son and daughter is. What is that? I don't know. But that's my name. That's your name. That's faith. That's the power of faith. Jesus says in verse 21, when the disciples were asking, How? How can this fig tree, this powerful fig tree that is known throughout scripture, that is known throughout our country, how can it die that quickly? Jesus says, Faith. And then he says to the disciples, Your faith can do more than what you just witnessed. And what you just witnessed was the destruction of of religious falsehood. That's what your faith can do. Your faith can look at religion and silence it. What would that look like? What would that look like? If you prayed that upon somebody that you know, if you pray that upon a battle that you have in your own head, we talked about um, the battle that we have in our heads with, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but I also struggle with this religious truth, which is correct. I was raised in legalism. I, I, know, I know the guilt that comes with legalism. So when I learned freedom back in, my, back in my 30s, I really struggled. Like, am I allowed to do this without guilt? Or is that something that Jesus wants me to do? And I didn't know. And I had to learn different, different things from what to wear, from what to eat, from how to do my hair. I cut my hair three years ago for the first time. Nine inches. Gone. And so much scripture was in my head. And I went home and I, my husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. There's so much scripture going on through my head about the short hair and the long hair and the glory and the. (laughs) It was it was a battle for me, as silly as it sounds. It was a battle for me. And the next day I woke up and I went to my prayer closet and I went before my king and nothing changed. I learned freedom again by cutting my hair. Little things. Jesus is saying in me, there's. Freedom, in me there's faith. Plant that seed and grow in that and don't let religion become your show. Because when religion becomes your show, there's no fruit. That's the lesson that's happening right here. That's the lesson the Pharisees were hearing and knowing that he was talking about them when he proclaimed Isaiah 56. And they said it in their hearts, we must kill this man. Don't let religion stop you from bearing fruit. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Be a fruit bearing tree. Allow fruit to spill from you. He gives two uh, passages or two parables to emphasize this point in Matthew 21. And he's talking again to the Pharisees. And he talks about the two sons. The father asks the two sons, will you go? One says no and goes. One says yes, does not go. And the Pharisees were livid with Jesus, like, oh, good story. Shame on that son, good for that son. Right over their head, totally didn't get it. And the second parable is talking about the the vineyard. And a guy does his vineyard, he puts a fence around it, he waters it, he grows it, he hires people out to take care of it. When the time for the fruit to be um, harvested, he sends his servants to go harvest the field. Those people that were running the field got angry about that and killed them. This happened a time or two. So the owner of the field sent his son to go harvest the field. And these people that were in charge of this field, shall we say the religious leaders of the day that were in charge of the family of God, were in charge of the field. And when the son of the owner of the field came, they said, let's do to him more than what we did to the others, and they cast him outside the vineyard and killed him. Do you see the picture that is being laid? God the Father, Jesus, and the religious leaders. And Jesus asked them in verse 40, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, the Pharisees said to him, we will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits and their season. The Pharisees partly got what Jesus was saying. He was saying those people that were in charge of the vineyard have no right to be in charge of the vineyard, get rid of them, cast them away, cut them down at the root and let somebody else who will produce fruit fill in their shoes. And Jesus says, exactly. That's exactly the point. And you are the ones that need to be cast out and cut to the root because you are put in place and all you are is a tree. It's all you are, no fruit. And you need to be cut down. And I need to bring in, as Isaiah 56 says, gather in even more to come in that'll produce fruit. Verse 43, he says, Therefore I tell you, again, the audience being the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the fruitless men of the day. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and it will be given to a people producing its fruit. It's a new day. It's a new day. Jesus spent this whole chapter cleaning out and letting them know it's done. What you've been doing, the pretense that you've been demonstrating, the fasting you've been loudly proclaiming in the streets, it's done and there's a new day coming in. And the disciples are standing there and they've heard the lessons and they know what's happening. They're not understanding it, but they're knowing it. Their knowledge is being built. Jesus is gonna die and in three days rise again. They've been told this a couple of times. So they know it, they don't understand it and they're hearing this. Oh, there's a new thing coming? Huh, that's me. I'm the new thing. I get to step in and I get to produce fruit. How do I produce fruit? Mark 11 says, have faith in God. And the disciples are wrapping their head around that, saying, I have faith in God. Good, let that faith produce fruit of faith. And when your fruit produces fruit of faith, and you surround yourself by those that have fruit, that produces fruit, do you see how the multiplication takes place? Because that is one thing, as many of us know, is the process of pollination. So when a fruit is there and alive and ready, it can produce more fruit that's alive and ready. It's about life. This whole chapter is about life. It's your fruit. Does your fruit produce life? And if it does, your life will produce fruit of faith. And that fruit of faith will produce life. And that life will produce fruit of faith. And it goes on and on and on. And as it grows within you, it'll grow within those around you. And it just multiplies and multiplies, not because of what you've done, but because you have faith in God and you've given it fruit and you've let that fruit grow. makes it sound so simple, doesn't it? We had a challenge this week and that challenge was to um, lay James 2 before the Lord in prayer. Some of us may have done that before we came today. Some of us. We'll be so excited to do it tonight. This is about your faith. This is about your fruit. The first question is always this, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus is the Son of God, the one who came, who was buried, who rose again? Do you know Jesus? If you do know Jesus, you have a seed of faith. Is there fruit? from your seat of faith. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus was saying in Isaiah 56, what he is saying in Matthew 21 and what James is emphasizing here in James 2. It's one thing to proclaim, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. I believe in your resurrection. Please call me yours for all of eternity. Amen. Beautiful, powerful. Receive Jesus Christ as your savior. And then do something. Do something. You have to do something. If you don't do something with that, that seed was planted and it died. There's no fruit. This is what James is battling here. In James 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? If you plant an apple seed and you don't get a tree, you don't get to eat an apple, what good is that? We all love our Honeycrisp apples. It's my first favorite thing about fall was a Honeycrisp apple, I hated fall. Fall's still not my favorite. But Lord have mercy when that Honeycrisp apple comes and it's not like glossy from like a city grocery store. I'm like, it's fall and I'm cold, but I have an apple. (laughs) It's good. Having that fruit is good. It's beneficial and it produces more life. Can that faith save him? Verse 15 says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to that brother or sister in Christ, go in peace. May you be warmed. May you be filled. Bless you. You didn't give him a blanket. You didn't give him an apple. You didn't give him anything. What good did you do for that person? Anything? Anything? kind of an obvious question. Somebody comes up and asks you for something, and we're talking brother and sister, we're talking family. Don't wanna go on a rabbit trail, but just because somebody asks you for something doesn't mean you need to give them something, have wisdom and discernment. But if there's somebody that you know, somebody in your world that comes up and says, I have a prayer request, here's my story, and you have it in your hands to help them, and you don't help them, but instead you say, "Oh blessings, my child. May you be filled with the glory of the Lord.. <laughs> Less words. Less. You've done nothing for them. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Be a friend, be real. Give as if you would want it given to you, almost as if Luke 6:38 flies through our head. Give, and it'll be given unto you. Shake down, press down, and running over. Give. This is what it's saying. Verse 18, he says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. And then he says, Even the demons believe, and the demons shudder. Having a knowledge of God is not the same thing as believing that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and be buried and rise again. Two totally different things because the demons believe and have a knowledge of God, but they do not believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ. They do not live their life for Jesus Christ. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? that faith apart from works is useless. And then he gives the story of Abraham and how Abraham had faith and he put his faith to action. And because he took his faith and he put it to action, God said, I've got you taken care of. You are now called righteous. And perhaps that's our name in Isaiah 56, higher than a son and higher than a daughter. You are called righteous. You are called my friend. That's sweet. Verse 24, James says, you see that a person is justified by works. You see it. You know this. He's justified by works and not by faith only. If you don't know that, can I ask you to read Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11 is a long chapter, and every verse starts with two words, by faith. By faith, this person believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And the things that they did were not small things. They died, multiple of them. Big things, by faith, by faith. Verse 25 says, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by her works, When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way, it takes more than just a seed of faith. It takes faith to move to action. You have to demonstrate it. You have to demonstrate it. Can I say that again? You have to demonstrate it. It cannot just be faith. Put that into any relationship. Think about your marriage. Just because you say, I do, doesn't mean you have a great marriage. Oh, there's so much that could be said. You think about your children, and just because you get to hold that baby doesn't mean you're guaranteed anything. You have to participate. You have to be present. You have to be present in your marriage. You have to be present with your children. You have to be present with your grandbabies. You have to be present with your friend. You have to. That goes right back to the beginning. A friend comes to you and says, I need a blanket. Oh, God bless you, child. Be present. Give a blanket. Verse, <laughs> verse 26 to close. It says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead. We talked about that last week, correct? Our body is perishing. Mm-hmm, yes. And oddly enough, it comforts us. But a body cannot continue without its spirit. That's death. It's the same thing. So also faith apart from works, is dead. Heavenly Father, there's so many words that can be said, and I pray your spirit, Lord, is saying them right now upon our hearts. Lord God, help us to listen. This scripture that you're penning on our heart right now, help us to write down, to record, to memorize, to ponder. Help us to apply that scripture to our life today. Lord God, faith is so big. Faith is so powerful and it must be grown. And the only way to grow it is in prayer, is taking one more thing before the throne of God and saying, I have faith in you to answer this prayer, to make this happen, to see this happen, to open my eyes, to open my heart, to grow me in you as your daughter, as your friend. And we rise up stronger in our faith, and then we do it again. Lord God, I pray it shall grow our faith. Grow our faith in our prayers. Grow our faith in our fasting life. And Lord, I pray that we'll demonstrate our faith. Give us opportunities even today to be present in the life that you've given us to live. Help us to take our faith to action for your kingdom. Lord, that what we do will demonstrate your faith for your glory. And, Lord, I pray that everything we say, everywhere our feet goes, everything our hand has to offer, will be done for your honor. Lord God, you are so big. And I thank you again for holding us today. Thank you for giving us the gift of faith. I pray that we won't squander it, that we won't waste it, but we'll just glory in the joy that comes with being yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.